There's already a lot of digital forms of money. We all know the Bitcoin flying around. There's other cryptocurrencies. What's the difference? So the difference is basically that CBDC would be issued and backed by the central bank itself. Whereas the private payment schemes are, of course, coming from the private sector. Welcome to the GND Spotlight Podcast. That was Angelo Riechel and Tanya Hestorfer talking about central bank digital currencies. In this episode, they go over the basics and they also cover topics like financial inclusion, data privacy, and what's going to happen to cash. Here's Angelo and Tanya. Welcome, Tanya Hestorfer. Thank you very much, Angelo. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you, Tanya. CBDC stands for Central Bank Digital Currency. Let's say you're at a party and someone asks you, what is a central bank digital currency? What would you answer? <laughs> That's actually a question that I get more often. So <laughs> I if, thought so. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm at a party, I would always say that a central bank digital currency is basically a digital form of today's cash. So, of course, we have central banks that issue um, banknotes and coins as of today. And a CBDC would be basically a digital form of that. Interesting. Okay. There's already a lot of digital forms of money. We all know there's Bitcoin flying around. There's other cryptocurrencies. What's the difference? So the difference is basically that CBDC would be issued and backed by the central bank itself. Whereas the private payment schemes are, of course, coming from the private sector. So, for example, um, they are coming from um, commercial banks that create the money or uh, payment schemes like PayPal or Apple Pay, where you would have as an end user a, a contract with that party. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I, I use my smartphone to pay already. I, I use PayPal or other services. Uh, why would I need a CBDC? That's also a very good question. And here, of course, it always depends on the different use cases that you're looking into. In some countries, some of the main motivations might be financial inclusion. For example, if you don't have a bank account and access to digital payment methods, a CBDC could enable you to participate in the digital economy. Here in Germany, for example, we do not have a payment method that is truly interoperable. So if I want to send money to you, it can be cumbersome to exchange our bank data and all of that. So a CBDC could be a truly interoperable means of payment that will make payment very easy for us. Okay, so it depends on the region. I heard that a lot of developing countries are quite active when it comes to CBDC. Uh, why is that? That's uh, very true. So especially the emerging market economies are deeply involved in exploring central bank digital currency. And this is, of course, due to motivations like financial inclusion. Still, as of today, around 30 percent of the population worldwide is unbanked, meaning that they do not have access to financial services or bank accounts. And with the central bank digital currency, the population would gain broad access to using digital payment methods. And of course, on the other hand, it would also provide the opportunity for new innovation in the entire payments ecosystem. Maybe we can talk a bit more about how it works. Um, do I need a smartphone for a CBDC or do I need internet access to use CBDC? 
It always depends on the actual design of the technical solution. With GND, what we have been developing in the last years, we are very flexible. So you can use CBDC with any kind of device that can store data. So it can be, of course, your smartphone that helps you access the wallet, but it can also be a very simple form factor like a smart card or a wristband or your smartwatch with which you can make transactions in CBDC. Okay, so that means even if I have no internet connection, I would still be able to use it. Yes, exactly. And I think that's also one of the core design criteria um, that are discussed uh, globally, as in many countries, you do not have necessarily a stable network connection or even electricity. So the offline payments functionality is crucial if you want to provide a central bank digital currency that can be used anytime by anyone. Okay, interesting. Where do we currently stand? I mean, it seems a lot of countries are somehow exploring this issue? Um, are there countries that have already introduced CBDC? Yes. So usually central banks are exploring CBDC in different phases. They start out with researching to find out what are the concrete needs, the use cases, the risks, and then they move on to a pilot phase. And uh, some countries have even already uh, went to the to the last phase where they went into production. Okay. So, for example, we can see in the Eastern Caribbean islands that um, the central bank has issued a digital currency. We can also see that in Africa, Nigeria has been issuing the e-Naira. And also the People's Bank of China is very advanced in their CBDC activities. A concern many people have, obviously, is once we introduce a digital form of money, what happens with cash? So is this a solution that will replace cash in the end? What we have learned in the many conversations that we had with central banks worldwide is that they see CBDC as a complement to cash. And just like cash, there's no obligation for people to actually use it. So they will still have the freedom of choice, whether to use CBDC, whether to use cash, both or none of them. Okay, that's reassuring. Another concern is uh, data privacy. So isn't this a data privacy nightmare? Can the government track all my payment transactions? Again, here it would strongly depend on the design of the solution that will be deployed in different countries. Of course, um, there is a concern about data privacy when it comes, for example, to the digital euro. I think in the public consultation that was issued, um, that was also the, the number one concern of the people that participated in that survey. But of course, in the end, a CBDC will only be used if it is adding value to society. And if the uh, central banks would track each and every payment, then no one would use it. And where would then be the point to actually issue a CBDC? So um, in our understanding, there needs to be a balance between privacy and transparency. And of course, there could be different thresholds. For example, for smaller payment amounts, it could be um, private payments. But if you want to make large payments, then you would have to go through a know your customer process, for example. You described a bit for emerging markets what the use cases are. If we talk about the euro system, It might be different. So what's in it for European citizens in, in that regard? That's a very good question. I mean, first of all, one of the reasons why the digital euro is explored is, of course, monetary sovereignty. 
As of today, around two-thirds of all payment transactions are um, processed by non-European providers. Okay. So, of course, there is interest by the ECB to provide their sovereign system as a uh, addition to cash that is less and less used um, also in Europe. But of course, for the end user, there also need uh, to be um, benefits of, of having a digital euro available. Right. And one of the benefits uh, could be, of course, that it can cater as a platform for innovation. So basically, it would support the digitization of the European economy, and it would also allow the private sector to uh, innovate on top of it. For example, there could be new use cases in terms of machine-to-machine -machine payments uh, and so on. Okay. What does that mean, machine-to-machine -machine payment? In that case, machines could have their own wallets and they could issue payments automatically. For example, if you drive your electric car to um, the um, fuel station, it would automatically charge the, the wallet of the car, for example. And you don't have to do anything. Exactly. Okay, now that's nice. GND is already piloting CBDC in several countries. Um, what are your key takeaways? We are currently piloting, for example, with the Bank of Ghana and the Bank of Thailand. So these are some of the projects that we can publicly discuss. And there have been various learnings uh, coming from those projects. In Ghana, we noticed that adoption is key for a successful project. So only if the end users see the benefit of a CBDC, it really makes sense to issue it in the end. And some of the key learnings were, for example, that it's important to involve the private sector from a very early stage of a project. Like merchants? or For example, merchants, commercial banks, fintechs, but even mobile money operators. So basically everything that simplifies the onboarding process uh, should be explored. Okay. And what can we learn maybe for... A digital euro? So for a digital euro, I think it is very important that the design criteria fit to the needs of the end users, for example, in terms of privacy, and also that it provides a truly interoperable means of payments so that we have a pan-European payment system that makes it very easy for everyone in Europe to transact. Okay. And we don't have that today, so there would be still a lot of work, I guess. Exactly. Well, interesting about GND is obviously um, we're also a world market leader when it comes to producing and processing physical banknotes. Now, one might wonder, why do we want to introduce digital forms of currencies? Aren't we somehow cannibalizing our own existing business? GND has actually always been innovating its own portfolio. So, of course, we have been creating banknotes for a long time, but we were also the company that, for example, invented a smart card that is used in all credit and debit cards worldwide. And throughout the history, you can see that we have always innovated ourselves. So, of course, we provided the um, SIM card at some point, and now we are providing the eSIM And it's also the same with uh, central bank digital currency. We see that the world is getting more digital, so we also need to adapt accordingly as a company. And as you said, it's not about replacing it, but complementing it, right? Absolutely. 
Okay. You have an interesting position that probably not many people have in the world. What is it that you like about your job? I would say there are uh, three factors that um, stand out very much in my job. First of all, I work with clients around the globe. So I have a lot of insights in uh, new cultures and countries. Uh, I travel a lot, so it's very enriching to, to have those conversations and exchanges. Also within our GND CBDC team, we are very diverse and international. So as an example, I think we are more than 20 different cultures wow. within our CBDC team, which is really cool. And last but not least, I believe we work on a very unique project as we have the opportunity to shape the future of money. And that is very motivating for all of us. Tanya, thank you very much for joining our podcast today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 